0: Everybody has, well, some people have that sort of awakening and that thinking there's something else in terms of how this all comes together, how people develop ideas and how they implement them, how they take them from the, the imagination to tangible profitable reality.
1: Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where in just about 30 minutes a week, we uncover the future of building and remodeling. So we invite you to join us as we explore an industry that constantly evolves with new products, new practices and technologies. From builders to remodelers to executives, as well as those with outside perspectives too, Each episode of Construction Disruption meets with forward thinkers who are going to share their unique insights. Construction Disruption is created and sponsored by Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of unique specialty metal roofing systems and other building materials. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, and today our co-host is Seth Heckeman, who is our sales manager. Uh, Our producer today for this episode is Ryan
2: Bell, another important Isaiah team member. Seth, tell me, how's your day going? Doing well, Todd. Thanks so much for having me. Let me join and uh, bringing this vision to fruition uh, for our industry. I'm excited about these conversations and uh, what we're going to be talking about and uncovering for the future of where we're all going. Very neat.
1: You know, Seth and I kind of demonstrate or represent two ends of the spectrum in our industry. Um, Seth actually, despite his youthfulness, has been in the industry for about 12 years now. Um, I, on the other hand, am pushing 40 years. Um, So, little bit different ends of the spectrum and and certainly different generations as well. And so that always allows us to get get some unique perspectives as we talk. Um, Seth, I'm kind of curious, before we get started with the meat of our podcast today, um, what do you see as one of the most exciting things happening in the building and remodeling industry today?
2: Yeah, I'm a Especially excited about a couple of things we're working on here at Isaiah Industries and taking advantage of some new technologies that are being developed and coming to market for use specifically in the in home sales process. So, you know, there's been a lot of change happening even before the last couple of years, and it's been a long time now that. Uh, the internet has empowered consumers to believe they can educate themselves to the point of not needing a consultative sales conversation to make a decision, you know, not needing to connect with a salesperson to determine what's going to be the best option for or solution for their project. And so we're taking advantage of a couple of new technologies that have been developed and incorporating them into that in-home sales process so that we show up using some new tools, new gadgets, tricks that they weren't expecting. And so if they weren't expecting it, they then become curious and intrigued, and we're able to engage them into then a broader conversation where we can still have the chance to build true value, distinguish us uh, ourselves from our competition, and uh, ultimately uh, close the deal. So I'm excited about those things. For us right now, that looks like um, some a new visualization solution that we're working with a, a partner on where uh, now incorporating or using AI, uh, we will be able to quickly do visualizations and renderings at the kitchen table and incorporate that into the sales conversation. And then we've also been working with Engage, a presentation platform, a kind of PowerPoint on steroids uh, with a lot more bells and whistles to really bring our sales presentation into the 21st century uh, using uh, additional video, new dynamic graphics, uh, a lot of uh, new tool, uh, new, like I said, bells and whistles to show up, be different than they expected us to look like, sound like, act like, and uh, be able to have better sales conversations at the kitchen table.
1: You know, I have to agree with you, and certainly over the years, I've seen a lot of change in the industry, but I really think we're embarking on what's probably going to be the fastest period of change and development that we've ever seen in construction. I think right now, too, in kind of our post-COVID world, I think we're going to see a lot of new things coming out. And um, a lot of them are going to be tech-driven, which typically construction industry um you know, we think of ourselves as hands-on and banging nails and all that stuff. So we we don't think of ourselves as being in tech a lot. And but yet, I think tech is really going to propel our industry forward here in the next twenty years. So um, makes me excited to to see young guys like you helping to make that happen. Um, you know, one of the the things I always think about in business, hockey great um, Wayne Gretzky always talked about you you want to be playing where the puck is going, not where it's at. And I've always loved that. And and I think that that whole idea is so applicable to successful business people and people who really have propelled things forward in particular industries. They're always looking for where that puck is going and trying to play from there. And really, that's our goal here on Con- Construction disruption. To focus on where the puck is going, not where it is today. But today, though, we want to talk about something I think is even more exciting, and that's what our guest is all about. And we want to talk about how does the puck even get there? Um, what are the the uh, what are the impetus? What are the magical synapses, if you will, um, that set the puck in motion? To get it from here to there. And I'm very excited that today's guest um, is someone who I know can help us to understand and zero in on that process of change. Because when we understand that process of change, we can then become the thought leaders and the ones who bring about change. And so our guest today is Paula Parker. I've known Paula for a lot of years. Uh, We first met uh, many years ago when she was part of the management team for MetalCon, uh, which is the metal and construction trade show. And one of the things I've always loved about Paula, and I remember so much from working with her years ago, was that she was always incredibly upbeat and positive. And so it didn't surprise me at all to discover that today she is now consulting with business leaders and companies of all sizes, helping them be prepared to really thrive into change and into new things, so um, Paula, there's two things. So welcome, Paula. Thank you for for joining us. And but there's two things on your LinkedIn profile that really caught my eye. Um, one was being an alchemist, so I'm kind of picturing a cauldron and a pointy hat or something, and we don't have that, so I'm anxious to hear more about that. And the other was that you're a meatball maker, Paula's Magnifico Meatballs. Um, Now, on the latter, I have to admit, um, I kind of consider myself to be a meatball specialist as well, and I've thought about a line of frozen meatballs, so maybe we could team up on that. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your story of your personal journey with meatballs, of course. But um, after that, I'm really intrigued by the activity, the thought processes of an alchemist, um, someone who can then also bring those ideas and that process of change and conversion to business leaders to help them thrive. So um Just start out, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're up to these days, and perhaps what your clients um, can expect from a relationship with you.
0: Well, it's great to be here, Todd, Seth. Thank you so much. It's just very exciting what you're doing. I think um, it's just, it's revolutionary in terms of the industry and in terms of how we're seeing change and across all industries today, but I want to talk about something very important first and that's those meatballs. Okay. <laughs> Who else do you know that celebrates international meatball day? But anyway, um, so um, just a little bit of a backstory relative to me, the, the, the alchemy aspect of it. Um, I started studying this branch of philosophy at age 13 and wow. began reading, uh, give or take 500 books um, in the areas of alchemy, metaphysics, hermetic wisdom, science of mind, and in the recent decades, uh, neuroscience and uh, epigenetics, which really underpin what the mystics were teaching us. So it's my approach is almost a fusion of alchemy, no pointy hat or cauldron, but uh, a fusion of alchemy and metaphysics to transform a particular situation from one situation to another situation. But with um, any process like this, there are tenets, there are principles like mathematics, one plus one will always equal two, uh, chemistry, H2O equals water. So there are principle, principle, basic premises to alchemy and metaphysics. All things are energy first. All things start as energy first. Thoughts are energy. Thoughts are units of energy. One of the tenants in in the area is with my thoughts, I create. And also that thoughts, your thoughts are causative. And the life that you live or the products that you develop are the effect. So in a tangible sense, as much as I love um, theory and abstract concepts, they're meaningless to me until I put them into practical application in a real world situation with a business owner, with a problem in life, because it's just, it's inert. it's it's So I'm, as, as much as I um, appreciate um, the alchemy piece of it, I'm very pragmatic. So when I work with business owners, it's, they come to me relative to a particular situation that they want to have transformed. And we work on the mindset constructs to help them, to enable them to transform. So I'll just use a quick um, example, which everybody could refer to this 2020 with the restaurant industry. Some restaurant owners didn't make it. Other owners had to, um, in corporate speak or corporate vernacular, pivot, uh, course correct, redefine, and then adopt the mindset that allowed them to succeed. Whether that was delivery, um, developing meal boxes, working with Grubhub, et cetera, et cetera. So, but even at that, that very sort of linear process, the mindset constructs had to align with that goal so that the outcome was what they were looking for. That's just a little, that's a 30,000 mile view of the kind of transformation that can happen um, relative to business business owners.
1: Very interesting. Starts in the mind. Yeah, and you think about that, you're right. Um, how many businesses did have to pivot uh, in the midst of the virus and, you know, what was the process to make that happen? That's, that's good stuff. Very good.
2: Can I, I'm curious, Paula, what started that at age 13?
1: Good question.
0: I was very curious um, as a child, always questioning. And my father did not like the fact that I questioned and I always wondered why some people could do some things and then other people couldn't. I've been fascinated by the human condition and um, big library goer at the time. And I happened upon Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. And that started my, um, my journey of awakening to these principles. Uh, And then I began to practice them uh, very early. Uh, I graduated high school in two years against all odds, against, Um, A a, a very autocratic Italian father saying no that you can't, um, but I did. And the goals that I set forward, I've been able to achieve because I applied the, the principles that these methodologies teach. I worked in film and television when everybody said, you are out of your mind, you will never have that kind of position. No, my first position was at the NBC affiliate uh, here in Boston, and then went on to the CBS um, ABC affiliates and worked with Commander-in-Chief Las Vegas Icons for five years in in television production. But it's, so that's a great question. Everybody has, well, some people have that sort of awakening and that thinking there's something else in terms of how this all comes together, how people develop ideas and how they implement them, how they take them from the the imagination to tangible, profitable reality. And that is where I absolutely love living, is taking an idea from the screen, the inner screen of consciousness, that's where everything starts, from the imagination to tangible, profitable reality. And PSMJ, which is Metalcon, um, afforded me a great opportunity um, to be able to do that. The CEO was completely entrepreneurial. Uh, and would say, "Here's the client. Here's the contract. Here's twenty five thousand dollars. Make it happen. Make it successful. Make it profitable. I'll see you in eight months." So it was a, it was a, it was a. Con- the conditions were right for anybody that is of this kind of mindset to make things happen. Great question.
1: Very interesting. And and you told me the the Italian fathers. Now I'm understanding the meatball thing more and more. So that's 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 great. <laughs> right. Um, wow. So so I want to jump into a, something you were telling me about. Um, you had described to me how you had relocated to a smaller town and you kind of developed a vision of a new corridor there in town. And yet you went through this process of Helping the town realize and, and you know that this would be a good thing, and you met with a great deal of skepticism and disbelief. And you said that in that process, you also discovered, um, or uh, you know, saw in reality what you describe as the three stages of change. Um, so, I'd love to hear a little bit about that
0: story and, and those three stages of change. Sure. Um, and you're right, my husband and I moved from a, a city of a, about 100,000 people to a town of about 16,000 people. Okay. And so because design and development construction architecture is in my, it's in my blood, I happen to think that the construction industry are the ultimate manifestors, they're brilliant in the ability to take an idea for, for a structure and make it real. So when we, when we moved um, the town, albeit very cute and quaint, just didn't have the design um, sophistication uh, that I was accustomed to. And um, I first started by launching a design review committee where everybody said, no, it's never gonna happen, but it did. I was the chair, the ad hoc chair, 10 months it took us to write the legislation. It was passed, stamped, etc. And my next project was that two mile corridor. It was blighted in urban development speak, blighted in, in others speak honky tonk. Run down, depressed, etc. So I began. I, I have a column um, in the Metro West Daily News, which is um, a publication of Gannett, which is USA Today. So I began writing um, columns about the vision, but I wouldn't write about um, the problem of the corridor. I would write as if I was walking down the finished corridor with the granite curbs and the architectural lighting and the beautiful landscape and smell the bread coming from the artisan um, shops along the corridor, stop and talk to friends. And the newspaper, the people in the newspaper commented, I mean, talk about being humiliated in the public square. <laughs> Paul Parker is smoking weed. This <laughs> never <laughs> happened. But um, so I happen to draw from, uh, I, I like, well, There are so many people that I draw wisdom from, and there's an expression, all truth passes through three phases. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. So I had those challenges. I led a team that ranged with municipal leaders and and employees um, that were operating from a limited paradigm. No, it can't be done. Um, But I also had to work with our senator uh, and the residents to build consensus. And we had tremendous hurdles um, to this process. However, um, in my belief, the idea is to be 100% committed to the vision of the idea versus what you're seeing. Because the 3D world is done. It's an effect of... Consistent pattern thoughts. We think in we think in patterns. The brain operates in patterns. If you say, "How do you do this?" and you've never done it before, the brain will search the circuitry. The certain the neural circuits and say, "I don't know. We've never done this before." So there's a there's a, a field. Some people will say uh, the infinite field, the quantum field uh, that we draw from relative to 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 these ideas, and then to stay committed to that particular idea, and it was a challenge. Um, we almost. Uh, we're, were moved off the TIP, which is a transportation improvement program. The Metropolitan Planning Organization in Massachusetts decides, allocates the revenues for infrastructure projects, and it's, it's, it's incredibly competitive. So there's that piece of it. And you're leading a team that isn't quite sure that this is going to happen to begin with. And if you don't think it's going to happen, it's not going to happen. Um, so yes, there were, there were tremendous obstacles, but we hurtled them And um, my latest column was, um, they said it couldn't be done until it was. And so now the construction of the corridor, they're moving mountains of earth. I mean, it's happening. So it was a project that started at 7 million is now 21 million plus contingency. Um, So that to give you an idea, it was probably a decade in the making of work of hiring the urban design firm. But. The town didn't have any money for uh, an urban design firm, so we had to pass a meals tax. That was an, an entire initiative in and of itself, and that had to pass majority vote on the town floor. So there were significant hurdles, but I was so dedicated to this particular vision, as I am with every vision, um, that, I, and I knew it could happen. So um, the ability to be able to, I can't change anybody's mind, that's not my job but I can point to others who have done things. I can open up ideas of possibility. Um, and a concrete tangible example of that is just, we were looking at the lighting uh, for the corridor and, and it's not wrought iron, it's it's uh, painted old cast aluminum that looks like wrought iron. And we were deciding the town had to um, contribute the non-participating costs. The state is paying for the road, Town had to commit to the non-participating cost, so we were talking about the design, the lighting, and so the lighting engineers were saying, "Well, do you want GFI outlets? No, no, can't can't have GFI light. Well, do you want flagpoles? No, we don't have the staff. Do you want the the sponsorship banners on the poles? No, we don't have the staff. So I just, instead of sort of going on the defense, I just said, look, try just try to keep an open mind. This corridor will be used as an economic engine." I said, so there will be larger stakeholders on the corridor. We can go to them and develop a merchants association and perhaps collect donations and do a banner campaign. That money would fund the banners and also um, the installation of the banner. You can't do that. You have to hire you know, people that are, you know, we have to pay fair a prevailing wage. I said, we can pay prevailing wage. We can have them sign the indemnity, et cetera, et cetera. So the point of all of that was I tried to point to what's possible as opposed to what was before we've always done it that way because if you think like you've always thought you will get what you've always got trite but with the underpinnings of metaphysics and that all things are energy it it's it's easy to connect the dots and see why some people just don't change because their thought processes don't change Hmm. Wow!
2: so to make sure that i have them those those three stages of change ridicule Violently opposed and accept, and then accepted.
0: Accepted as self-evident. That's as the self-evident. quote from Arthur Schopenhauer okay. um, in terms of all truth passes through three phases. So, in, It's powerful, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we're already seeing it. You just telling your story, those play out whether you're dealing with your father and his reaction to your high school goals or urban development in a small, quaint town. So it's all truth is truth, right?
0: Truth that is absolute truth, and then the en- the engineers call me on the on the team and uh, say, h- h- "How did you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> so just, I said, "Let me get my pointy hat and cauldron."
2: <laughs> there you go. Uh, one question I just I just had curious. So much of this, just listening to you, it's uh, your process and and what you've accomplished are just driven by these vivid visions you have, whether for yourself or the community around you, do you have a process that you go through of fleshing those visions out or, or do they uh, just come to you in various ways of inspiration and you just grab hold and refuse to take no for an answer?
0: <laughs> That's a great question. And I will say that it depends. There are some things that are very concrete that, that I want to achieve. Uh, and I do, I spend a lot of time, well, not a lot of time, I feel that there are impediments to that kind of creativity, some things that would block it. And then there are some conditions that are much more conducive to that process. Um, I have been developing a relationship with the silence since age 13. I go out every morning for a walk in nature, nothing electronic, because I think there's too much energetic distortion and too much electromagnetic chaos between me and whatever this field is, this field of intelligence is. So I like a clear connection and without fail, I will get a solution to a problem, a paragraph in my head that I need to write for a client or a complete article walking in the silence. And I will scribe it when I come home. Three o'clock in the morning is also an hour. If I'm, I will wake up and there's something that's knocking on my consciousness that it's either an idea um, so so those are kind of my processes. There's a lot in this tremendous material about how to uncage the brain, mindless activities that open up certain uh, pathways in the brain. There's tremendous amount of science that underpins all of this material by brilliant, brilliant neuroscientists, uh, epigeneticists, people in the field of study. My, this is all based on my, my personal experience and I wouldn't claim to know everything there, that there is to know about everything that there is to know. I just I, I wouldn't be there. <laughs> this is my experience and the results. I like results. So it's silence for me. It's also seeing what other people have done, but in comporting that concept onto what I might want to do. Right. Yeah. So there's I think that we live in one of the most magnificent times in the history of humanity. If you just think that you can have any information at your fingertips and the click of a keystroke, it's just, and to me right now, there's no reason for not knowing. There's just no reason for not knowing anything. All you have to do is search it and you'll find it. But I, I personally find that there are conditions that invite that kind of inspiration and that intuitive intelligence. And there's a, there's a mystic Simone Wright who has written a book on how to, how to tap Intuition to make sure that it's actually intuition and not your ego masquerading as intuition. Um, So it's science Mm -hmm. and spirit. So those are some of the some of the processes that I work with and and business owners after they sort of give me the eyeball roll like what? (laughs) And, you know, kind of put the net aside. And then when we work, I mean, we've done I've taken businesses through acquisitions, through growth, through Developing new verticals to developing new products. So these principles apply within any industry, especially the construction industry. It's phenomenal.
2: Wow, powerful. Thank you. We're going to have to schedule another session to go over intuition versus ego, but because I, I want to come back to that someday. But.
1: Good stuff. So, as you work with business leaders um, and community leaders, whatever the case might be, um, I'm sure that you find that oftentimes there are some real challenges there to help them process the idea of change and development. Um What do you find are is kind of the key of those challenges that folks um, experience as you're trying to bring them through that process? How do you make sure that all the wisdom, everything that you're giving them isn't just, you know, casting pearls before swine, as they say? Um, How
0: do you how do you get them through that process? I ask a lot of questions. I ask my interest is having them uh, shift internally and asking questions if things are working, Um, just, just, I do a diagnostic. I also listen very intently to language because language holds the key to where and where a a stumbling block might be. Right. So, and, and what might need to be transformed. So, and the money, everybody wants more money, more money, more money, more money. But when I listen to the language patterns that people or the language that people use around money, we can't afford it, I don't have enough, I can't do that right now, we're not meeting our sales numbers. Those, that language in terms of metaphysics and energy does not invite more prosperity. So everything is energy first, right? So you would have to assume the vibrational stance, if you will, that you, you are in possession of that wealth. And that's where people get really stuck. It's a stumbling block for a lot of people, myself included. I'm still a work in progress relative to this material. So so even though I've been studying it for decades upon decades, the challenge lies with their thought processes and tweaking those thought process, re- process relative to change. And a lot of people are adverse to change. They would rather stay stuck and miserable than to change. And there's volumes of studies relative to from the neurological perspective on why people don't change. but. It helps to listen to language patterns relative to give you the clues in terms of and just slightly changing language. I mean I, there are people that say I can't find a job, you know, where I am, they don't appreciate me. This and they and I say, Does that is that gonna help you find a job? How about saying, you know what? I have a lot of talent, I bring unbelievable experience and wisdom to any organization. I add value, I'm gonna contact my network, I will Re-change my, I'll change my resume so there's constructs there's thought constructs and that's really the alchemy of it all right so when we look at a situation we want to change it we talk more about what it is that we want than hammering what's wrong you almost cement yourself neurologically when you consistently talk about a problem because it just strengthens the neural, ca- the neural pathways in the brain, and it almost makes it impossible to move off of that. Versus, and there's, again, there's medical reasons why <laughs> Dr. Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, walks the reader through exactly the process of why, um, the reasons, the neurological reasons, why people get stuck in that sort of pattern. And some of it's conscious, some of it's not conscious. Um, but it's fascinating. So, when you
1: and I spoke a week ago or so, you had talked about mind monsters. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of what I have often called head trash when I'm working with folks. But, you know, it is. It's those things that are cemented in our minds. So, as you are working or, or as you think about Um, young leaders out there and of course we're talking to young leaders in the construction industry but it could be any industry Um, the folks who really want to help you know propel things forward Um, how how do you encourage them and i heard you ask you say i will ask a lot of questions that makes a lot of sense how do you encourage them to overcome those mind monsters and go through the alchemy of change to where again they turn that into something positive is it is it just a reshaping of
0: our thoughts and our mindset or what does that look like great great question and yes it's partly that i i mind monsters head trash everybody has them everybody has those thoughts that come up self talk memories they're powerful those memories are they their memories. Um, they operate from the past and they're afraid of the future. But you have the ability when that thought comes up again, to use your own thought and, and transform that perceived foe into a friend that's going to use its power to carry you towards what you want. And a very, it, they come up, everybody has them and they come up Usually when we want to move forward into something new, usually when we want to sort of evolve personally and there or or take a, a chance on something, you can't do that. You've always failed. Who are you kidding? What do you know? I mean, everybody has them and everybody has their different versions. But if we just understand that right now is the only power that we have in terms of creation. And if we're going to drag the past into the now, like these monsters from the past into the now, we're going to recreate more of what we don't want. So those monsters are not to be, um, I don't like to use the word hate, but for the, for lack of a better phrase, they're just, it's almost like you, you want to treat them as a child that just doesn't know. And they just need to learn and it softens it. And just something as simple as like, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. We're going to go forward in this direction, but it this, this work, as with any kind of evolutionary work or any kind of, even in leadership development, requires practice. It requires repetition and practice and a commitment to it being a lifestyle because we can get pulled back into the old habits very quickly with stimulus response triggers that are in our 3D world every minute. So having a, 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 a process or having something that you say to that head trash when it does arise so that it softens it and there's not a lot of resistance and then you can move it is is, again, a form of alchemy. You're transforming. And, and I'm not and I'm not suggesting that ent- that anybody do anything that doesn't feel right to them or try to convince because that sets up a whole other issue. And I just have to insert this because it's really important. So there are people in this space that say, you know, affirmations, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich say affirmations it'll train you neurologically it'll train the subconscious i'm rich i'm rich i'm rich I'm rich. that's consciously but if you have a dollar 98 in the bank your 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 monster is saying who are you kidding you have got a dollar 98 in the bank you're not rich so whatever the dominant feeling is is going to deliver that reality and it's really important that people will understand the underpinnings because people make sweeping generalizations or they'll say something without giving a person a foundation of knowledge oh oh that's why perhaps I haven't sort of moved it the the, the the ball forward or what have you? So there's just there's more obviously to this material. So you
2: you're talking about how to how you help people get to where they want to go and taking this head trash and transforming it into something that aids rather than restricts. And uh, I wrote down your quote from earlier of, you know, talking more about what you want rather than what your problems are, what what your struggles are right now. Um, You also mentioned a lot of people are stuck and rather stay miserable rather than do this hard work. What if you're working with someone who's struggling with even have a vision of what they do want or what an alternative to their current reality is? How do you, or do you have some go-to questions or ways that you just start leading them into uh, visioning a more ideal future?
0: I I do, I have a, I call it the soul personality questionnaire. It's a a series of sort of diagnostic questions that I have developed that can sort of get me to where they might need to um, make some tweaks or adjustments. And it's different with everybody. Some of it, and I'm not a psychiatrist. I have psychiatrist clients. (laughs) But I am not. I, like, I have I have psychiatrist clients and then I have I, mo, the majority of my clients are um, um, from the trades and the industry because I just love, 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 love this industry. But um, there are certain questions that I ask. There's also, you know, it, and I don't I don't ever like to. There's no absolutes in terms of anybody's development ever. You can recognize when somebody's really committed to where they want to be even though they don't want to be there, that also has a, um, um, a medical underpinning, um, which Dispens explains in his book. But I do have a series of questions that I ask just to start I don't want to say challenging, but just to start opening up possibilities. Some people are really open to possibility. It's almost as if they have no filter between their imagination and their conscious mind. And then there are some people that are so opaque. No, it's linear. It's rational. Well, the linear and rational mind is limited. It's already done. I'm not saying that it's not valuable. It's incredibly valuable for certain aspects of a project or even development, but it's, limited so assessing a personality based upon the principles that i work with it's it's it informs me in terms of how to ask the question what questions to ask to get them to the next step so to speak but again it's practice it's daily practice myself included
1: very interesting you know as i think about people who have really made quantum leaps in terms of development in the world i mean Think about Thomas Edison, even Elon Musk. I mean, some of these really were sort of unassuming folks, I mean, folks that you wouldn't have thought that of. So, um, you know, what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, with the right practices, the right mind training, really anyone can. I mean, some people are going to probably have a little bit more natural bent that way in terms of curiosity and things. But with the right practices, anyone really can become a pioneer and and really be able to push forward with some some new ideas and new thinking. Is that kind of the way you see it?
0: I do. I think I think that everybody has the seeds of brilliance within them. I think that um, I've spent my life unlearning what is untrue um, to to remove the falsities that we sort of adopted or accepted blindly. I don't ever accept. A belief blindly uh, anymore. When I was a child, I mean, that's what kids do. You know, they want to they want approval from the parents. They you know they just unquestionably adopt a belief which could be completely limiting. But I had to unlearn what is untrue and then sort of rebuild. I think I believe that. People have the seeds of brilliance in them. I, I think everybody's, the acorn seed with the mechanics, just put it into the rights, into the soil and it'll, it'll blossom. The soil doesn't discriminate regardless of the seed. It doesn't say, oh, I don't like you, you're, you're an acorn seed, I want you know a tomato plant. It doesn't do that. But I think that there are certain conditions that encourage that, I think. Um, and there are certain conditions that suppress that um, in people. But I am a champion of human potential. Um, I just, I mean, I, I search the people that have beat the odds. I, who was it, Eric Weinmayer, who, who the, uh, the, y- Yoshiro Miura, that, the 80-year-old that, that scaled, uh, Mount Everest, the blind, uh, that's scaled Mount Everest, the blind climber that scaled Mount Everest, the double amputee that scaled Mount Everest. That's where I focus. I don't spend my time on what we can't do. I spend my time on what's possible. And then once you get into the realm of what's possible, it almost acts like a kaleidoscope. And then you start getting idea after idea, after idea, after idea, after idea. It just opens up a field of possibility that the conscious mind can't even perceive as yet. So yes, a long answer to your question. I think that people have the seed, the, 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 seeds of brilliance within them and it's just a matter of well it's not just a matter it's it's practice it's repetition it's unlearning some of the falsities
1: wow i love that there there may be hope for me is what i'm hearing so that's that's a that's a good thing so you know i, I, I part of what i heard you touch on there um you know, sometimes just watching others helps bring those seeds of inspiration and, and ideas that you can bring over to your practice or your trade or your profession, whatever that might be. Is that kind of where you think some of that inspiration comes from, too, is being inspired by others? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, there is so much in terms of development. I, I, I'm i a foodie. I love the um, all of the cooking shows. Uh, one of my, my one of my particular favorites is Chopped because they take completely disparate ingredients—silky chicken and the Lucky Charms and vanilla <laughs> <banana laughs> vodka and you know bean sprouts—and give them thirty minutes to make those disparate ingredients into something that's palatable, not only palatable but delicious. So those are portable concepts almost in any industry taking something that's disparate and combining it for something better there's i mean if we just look at the tech industry what the disruption in the tech industry this angel list there's a list of companies these are young minds 27 28 30 years old that are they're at billion dollar exits and you look at the products that they've developed using ai um, look at the medical disruption. Look at look at digital therapeutics. I mean, we have apps that for insomnia, we have Calm, which is an app for people that have difficulty meditating. They're, they're at a three billion, I think it's a $3 billion valuation. There's this the opportunities are there, and it's just sort of saying to the limited piece of the mind, you know what, sit in the corner for a while. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try something different. I'm gonna explore this as a possibility in terms of and and, and asking how is not a good question because for the very reason that I described earlier, if you haven't done it before, it, this, the brain searches that I don't know, we've not done this before. Instead, ask what ways could we pr- approach this? What do you think as opposed to something that's so finite in terms of an answer, but when you're working with possibility and imagination, it's limited and, the, and another piece that I'll just insert real quickly, is that the imagination, the human nervous system cannot discern between what you imagine and what is real. So you could be, we could be sitting here, Todd, you could be freak out, terrified of snakes. And I could start talking about the, the, um, the 54 year old woman in Indonesia that was eaten by a Python. They, 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 she went missing and they found the snake and it was bulging and they cut it open and there she was. It hadn't started to digest her. If you were terrified those words could facilitate a panic anxiety attack and we're right here. That's how powerful your words, your thoughts, your feelings, your imagination is. but you can make it work for good. You can make it work for the for, for life affirming as opposed to life-negating chemicals, the cortisol. you can you can elicit the, the spirit chemicals, the dopamine, the serotonin, which are expansive and life-affirming. Wow, good stuff.
1: Well, this has been fantastic, and I'm like like Seth, we'll have to do this again sometime. I I do have one thing I wanted to pick your brain on uh, here before we close out. So uh, a major struggle in the construction industry, and, the, and there can't be a single listener out there from that industry who isn't experiencing this, a major struggle is the shortage of labor, um, coming up with folks to work construction job sites. Um, any thoughts as far as practical advice uh, to folks out there who um, might be looking uh, to overcome that um, and and ways to go through a bit of an alchemy, a change from thinking about, oh, this is such a problem, to, hey, this is an opportunity. Um, This is good things that that I can do here. Any thoughts or any practical advice uh, for folks who are dealing with that situation?
0: Mm, I have a lot to say on that particular topic. I think also, I mean, all, all right, it's it's the reality that there's a labor shortage. But if we keep thinking that there's a labor shortage, is it likely will attract somebody to our organization. Mm-hmm. So maybe something that softens that and saying, you know what, there is somebody out there that loves to work with their hands and they have a passion for this particular vocation. I think that, that the construction trades needs a complete rebrand because I still see sort of this push and pull between the architect, the general contractor and the guys, the subs in the field. I think it needs a complete rebrand. I think that um, if we were to position anybody that works in the trades, I have a passion for the trades. And where would we be without buildings and electricity and plumbing and carpentry and and all of that? And I think if, if the business owners out there maybe sort of soften that and say, you know what, there is somebody out there that would love working in our organization and in this trade, because this is what they're wired to do. It's just a matter of connection. And even how ads are written in terms of, you know, the descriptions, the words that that, And I've written ads for organization. It was a property management company. But I said to the owners, I said, you might you might want to use some different words because the words that you use are going to bring in a certain kind of person. So let's craft this in a way where we're speaking to sort of their heart and soul as well as their conscious mind. But in terms of the business owners out there, right? Okay, it's the reality. However, if we if we frame it differently and say there there are some people that are going to appreciate working in our organization, they will. And I'll give a concrete, tangible example. I have a uh, an electrical contractor boutique company works very high-profile uh, buildings in the seaport, et cetera, et cetera. They they adopted that philosophy, and three the the the, the three new hires were a result of the the um, individuals working in the firm in the in the company. The electricians working, so they went out to their friends and said, "Hey, this company is really great to work for." So they didn't need Indeed. Their employees were their Indeed or their zip recruiter or their golden door, what have you. So, um, again, it starts as a mindset, but the follow up and follow through has to be that kind of consistent mindset and the constant refining of it. It's constant refining. So, uh, yeah, we can go to trade schools. We can, you know, we can we can pluck trade you know, students right from the trade schools if we want the unions are doing it now paying huge bonus, signing bonuses but there's there's it it starts here as well
1: good stuff i know you have left me very inspired today uh this has been fantastic and helped to open my mind up to to new ways of thinking and uh so maybe maybe you can teach an old dog some new tricks i don't know we'll see if that works but. <laughs> Thank you so much. So um, I'm curious, Paula. um, Well, let me first ask you, is there anything you didn't get to share today that you would like to share?
0: I covered uh, a good portion of it. Thank you. And it's been, it's just been an inspiration for me um, to be able to share this kind of uh, material. So thank you. Thank you.
1: It's been good stuff. So, um, Tell me, why might someone want to contact you um, for your line of work and the consulting that you do? And if they do want to contact
0: you, how would they do that? Um, businesses contact me for a couple of reasons. If they have a specific goal um, that they're looking to achieve within the organization, uh, building out a vertical, a new product line. some I work with some business owners that just need a sounding board um, because it's very isolating. Uh, and I work with CEOs on that level I also help develop system and process but mindset alchemy is a big piece of what I do relative to the goals that uh, a company is looking to achieve and'm I'm, I'm on the net like everybody else Paula M like meatballparker.net so um, all my contact information is there all of my blog all of my articles that appear in the paper are on my blog and that gives people a deep dive into, um, the philosophies that we've discussed today with again concrete tangible actionable items that they can take it's not just theory it's tangible steps that they can take and apply in their businesses so that is a a, um, a resource right there relative to the types of articles that are uh on my blog so paula m
1: Fantastic. Great. I've spent a little bit of time on your blog and your site and um, good stuff out there, so I encourage people. Paula, M in <laughs> encourage people to check it out. So um, thank you so much for Paula, and thank you all for tuning in uh, to this episode of Construction Disruption, again with our special guest and friend Paula Parker. Um, she's provided some great insight today into the process of of change and development, how we get from here to a preferred future. So I ask you, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. I promise you we have some great guests lined up for future episodes as well. Um, Until then, I encourage you, change the world for someone. Um, Make them smile, bring them encouragement, bring them hope. Those are all some of the most powerful things that we can do to go out and change the world. Thank you again, Paula. Everyone, God bless. Take care. See you on the next episode of Construction Disruption.